Welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and this podcast is your guide to start creating a lifestyle by design. From entrepreneurship, money and finance, taxes and residencies, and everything in between, this show highlights the nuances of a true global citizen lifestyle. Let's dive in. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I am your host, Nicole, aka Nomad Neeks. And in today's episode, I am really looking forward to speaking with the guest speaker that I am going to be having on today. She is Andrea Jones, and she is a social media strategist helping brands with bold personalities, bold opinions, and bold ideas make bold moves towards elevating their thought leadership and growing their business using the power of social media. Are you ready for a light-on-your-feet approach to social media with no heavy lifting required? In today's episode, we are going to dive into everything social media. Whether you are a business owner, an entrepreneur, social media is something that you are going to find very useful within your journey. So we are going to be talking all things social media through the lens of business ownership today. So let's dive right in. Andrea, welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I am so looking forward to diving into all things social media today. But before diving into the social media aspect of things, I would love to hear your story, where you started, and how you got to where you are today. Thank you so much for having me on the show. My story really starts in 2007. That's when I started my YouTube channel. I was working in hospitality at the time, getting my degree in English literature. And then in 2013, I met my husband on YouTube. So I'd been doing YouTube for quite a while, doing collaborations, kind of like we're doing today for podcast. We collaborated on a video and then we just kept talking. Now, he lived in Toronto, Canada, and I lived in Atlanta, Georgia. But I was always one of those kids where my mom was like, you're going to go live in another country one day. Like, it was just part of kind of how I, I don't know, I guess a vibe that she had. So when I was like, I met someone in Canada, she was like, of course you did. <laughs> Flew out to meet him. We fell in love. We got married all within a span of nine months. So I went from not knowing him to like marrying him and moved to Canada for love. And so with that move, I needed a job. So I worked in hospitality for different spas in Atlanta. And then I ended up working in a hotel as well as manager. And so I tried applying for jobs, but like the whole, you know, you need your green card situation is challenging, even though I was married and like trying to get citizenship. So with that, I started the I started working online freelancing. Like I was like, I know how to blog. I know how to do YouTube. I love social media. I started off writing because I had a degree in English literature. But honestly, creating content is where I, my sweet spot is. So I started creating content for people freelancing and then grew it into the business I have today. So not over nine years later now, I have a social media agency, which is most of our business. About 80% of our revenue comes from the agency where we do done-for-you services for our clients. Then I also have a program, the Savvy Social School. We have about 200 students in that program. And we teach people how to use social media as a tool to grow their business. So it has grown today to be, you know, we have a staff of 15 
people, some contractors as well. All of that, I feel like the catalyst was like meeting my husband and like falling in love and moving to another country. Wow, what a story. I love to hear that you started it. What was the year? Was it 2007, 2008? Like something that. So I started the business officially in 2014, but I started creating content online well before that. So I think my official start date was probably 2004 when I started my blog. But then I really consider 2007 to be the kicker of everything because that's when I started YouTube and things really took off. In 2007, I don't even know what the heck I was doing, but it was not YouTube. I don't think most people were doing YouTube back then. No, it was very odd at the time. My friends were like, you're doing, you're posting videos of yourself on the internet? That's weird, you know? Like at the time, it was not a cool thing to do at all. And it's so funny now how I was talking to my nephew and he's like, I want to be a a Twitch streamer. And I'm like, that wasn't a job. So it's like 10 years ago, people would be like, what now? But now it's like, oh, okay, cool. You like playing video games? You could earn a career being a Twitch streamer. Yeah, it's so wild. Just a funny backstory. So I told you before we started recording that we are in Paraguay, my partner and I right now. And about three weeks ago, it was less than a month ago, you know, football, soccer for us is very um, popular here. Every, especially male, loves football, the teams, like there's so much happening. So we went to a football game. It was raining. There was nobody there. And so my partner and I, you know, we make short form content every day. And so he, he is Mexican. So he speaks Spanish. He speaks the language here. And he just created a video, as we always do, about this football game. And it went completely viral because it was a popular team and there was nobody at the game. And within less than a month, he now has 50,000 followers across all of these platforms and like can't even keep up with his socials or so many. It's just so wild. And then he tells me, you know, like people in especially in this part of the world, but I know in every part of the world, they want when they grow up, quote unquote, they want to be like TikTokers or famous on Instagram or YouTube. And the money that you can make, especially in this part of the world, is so much better than working really any other type of job. So I find it very interesting because you're you're right. Ten years ago, maybe even five or it would have never looked like this. Right. It's so wild how digital this digital world has totally shifted how we consume content, but then also like the job landscape. I don't have cable and I will never buy cable TV because like my entertainment is TikTok and Netflix. It's just a totally different world. You mentioned that you really started your business in around 2014. So online business, doing really anything in the online space was not nearly as common as it has been in the last few years since COVID. So What did it look like starting a business in the online space? You were really probably one of the pioneers thinking, I need to work online. I'm in a new country and it's difficult for me to get that traditional job. So what did it look like to start something in the online space? Was it more difficult to build awareness, to get clients? What were some of the struggles you had facing that? Yeah, because I did not have and still don't have a technical background in marketing. Like I don't have a degree in marketing, right? I don't have any certifications in marketing. That's what I was up against is how do I share my skills without having this background? I started looking at these online job, not job boards, but like 
places where people would post gigs that they needed. Fiverr, still around today, was like my bread and butter. There was one called Odesk. Upwork was is still around now today. And so I started just looking at places like that. What are people asking for? What do they need help with? And then I would pitch myself based on my skills. I don't have a degree in marketing, but I do have a degree in English literature. So that means I can analyze data. I can put together a report. I can tell a story. Then I have this background in hospitality. Like I worked for these luxury spas. I started off at the front desk, worked myself up to a management role. So I had that skill set. I also worked for Marriott Hotels as well and as a manager. So I have that skill set. I just started applying places where I could, you know, have that angle. And then obviously I have my own YouTube channel. I had my own blog. I had actually several at the time. And the one that was the most popular was my budget fashion YouTube channel and blog. And I'd worked with brands like Steve Madden and Macy's. I had that skill set. So then I started applying it to other brands, you know, small beauty brands who were just getting off the ground and they wanted to use social media, but they had no idea how to use at the time Facebook and Twitter. That was the two popular ones. Instagram was kind of like for fun still. So I would come in and I would create content for them. So people would literally mail me like bottles of shampoo and I would take photos and post them online and write the captions. I would hold them up in videos and pretend that I was a customer. Before UGC content creation was a thing, I was creating content. So that that's how I got started. I I struggled though with that type of content because it felt it was very like project based. Like they would send me the project, I would work on it and send it back to them. Where I found the sweet spot was those clients who were like, I don't want to even look at this. You just take it over completely. And that's where social media came into play for me because it's day in, day out, never sleeps. So I was able to build in monthly billing, monthly repeatable billing. And that's when my business took off because I'd sign a client and then they'd stay around for months and months instead of having to like keep finding clients every new every time a new project would um and retainer clients i feel the same way and anytime i talk to anybody who's thinking about getting started in any type of online space try to find those retainer clients because that is like a guaranteed income every month i love that let's talk social media now i could just be like social media go there's so much around social media There's so many platforms. It is a full-time job for a lot of people, whether you're managing your own personal brand or managing others' social medias. If you are looking to start a business, where would you start? Hey, honey, it's Nicole, your host. I wanted to pop into this episode super quickly to let you know if you have not already left a review on your favorite podcast platform, I would seriously appreciate it if you did. Leaving a review helps with the discoverability of the show And if you want to support the show, that is the best way that you can do so. Thank you for leaving a review. I really do appreciate it. And let's hop back into the episode. There's a few gaps in the market right now that anyone who's coming in new, if they can crush it in these angles, like there's a lot of agencies and freelancers who are not up to speed yet. Micro video content, especially content direction, pre-planning, pre-production and filming the content as well. There's a ton of post-production agencies right now or freelancers, but there's not a lot of people like strategic direction concepts coming up with interesting things, using trends in a way that's interesting. That's 
really needed right now. If you have any skills in video, think about pre-production, strategy planning, and even like on-site potentially direction for your clients. And then anything related to artificial intelligence, ChatGPT, AI. If you have any creative skill set that you can help people use these things, maybe you're building bots, um, maybe you're helping people come up with custom quizzes, something where it's like you're leveraging artificial intelligence. Um, I think anyone can plant themselves in those spaces. That's what's hot right now. And those skills aren't going anywhere. So if you have those skills, I think those would be great. And then applying them to social media, like thinking about how users are interacting and engaging with content. We have less than a second now to capture someone's attention. So if you can figure out how to do that with your own content, people will be knocking at your door, brands especially knocking at your door to be able to do it for their content as well. So if somebody is looking to start a business of their own and probably an online business, that's what I like to talk about. And that's what you and I both do. So let's stick with that. There is so many places you can be. There are, you know, so many different platforms and even tools to write your captions for you. And then you have ChatGPT and like it's a lot. It can be overwhelming. So where do you recommend to just start? This is a, a question I, I would love to hear your answer to. Do you recommend being on all of the platforms? There are platforms that I think are kind of dying off, Facebook being one of them. So I would not recommend platforms like those where there's like, especially in North American cultures, if that's your client, there's this negative sentiment for platforms like Facebook. People, there are certain generations that still use it, but people don't really think highly of that platform. Where people are spending a lot of their time is platforms like TikTok. If you're starting today, the beauty of a platform like TikTok or even leveraging Instagram and using Instagram Reels specifically is that TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, they all are based on discovery. You don't have to have an audience. You could have zero people in your audience post something today and it will be seen, right? So when starting off from ground zero, try to find those placements where the apps themselves are showing them to random people, new people, people who've never heard of you. And they're trying to match it with people based on the topics you cover in the videos. Talking about things that will help the algorithm find you is key. Um, but th that's what I would recommend if you're starting off today. However, I do want to also mention your preference in content delivery. So if I say TikTok and you're I don't like being on video, I can't see any way of me using video, then that's going to be challenging for you. So some other platforms that are up and coming are LinkedIn and Twitter is seeing a little bit of a resurgence right now after a complete drop off from uh, Elon Musk's takeover. But if you like text-based communication, written communication, LinkedIn is, is it's picking up steam right now and it can be a great way to find potential clients and customers. Think about your preference, but then also play into what's popular right now. I think we always default to thinking it's probably TikTok and Instagram Reels, most people think of, but I know LinkedIn is such an up and coming, not up and coming, actually, it's been around for a long time, but I think people are just starting to use it more as a social media platform and the mindset around it is changing from being very professional. It's only for executives to more casual. I know somebody in the digital nomad community who is a, a very well-known thought leader and he posts every single day on LinkedIn. It's his only social media platform where he posts every single day. And I love 
reading his content. It's so interesting. It's so insightful. He has, what is it called? Working from Wednesdays, where it's like wherever in the world he's working from, he will post it on Wednesdays with a little blurb. And it's so interesting. And so I think if it's done right, of course, as with any social media platform, it can be a really good conversion tactic and technique to really convert people into whatever your offer is, whatever you're talking about. And I do know Twitter, especially in some communities, like I know there's crypto Twitter, there's UGC Twitter are very popular within that platform. But yeah, you know, I'm on Twitter. I don't use it too often, especially once they rolled out the check and then you have to pay to get seen. And I was just like, I don't know what's happening here, but I'm just going to like post whenever I feel like it. So maybe a bit of a crisis, but maybe it'll come back. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, Twitter is a bit of a funny one because I find that the, there are pockets of people, like you said. So, for example, my friend Jeremy Enth is also a digital nomad. I say also. I don't I don't consider myself a digital nomad. I just like I'm a transplant. But he like moves every month, two months. He's in Europe right now. Um, and he owns a podcasting companies, podcast agency services, and then also education. And Twitter is his jam. Like his podcasting clients find him on Twitter. And he does a really great job of like that thought leadership piece and written or audio content is his preference. So I think the preference does play into it. But then also finding your pockets of people is key. And yeah, I, I have so many mixed feelings about Twitter, but some people love it. And if you love it, I think it's a lot easier for you to log in every day, you know? So in saying this now, one question I had for you before we even started is, is social media dead for personal use? For, you know, when Instagram started, it was really just like, oh, I want my family and friends to see this. Is it dead? Isn't a business tool now? Not just Instagram, but most of the social medias. I think how we use social media has changed so much that you could define it as like, the past usage is no longer applicable. So yeah, I mean, it could be dead in some ways. I think that each generation is using it differently as well. So I have a younger sister. She's 18. She does not think any of this is cool. She has a private TikTok that only her friends, you know, follow. She posts like the most random things. And only is on TikTok because everything else is cringe, right? So I think that people are starting to mold the platforms into using it how they want to use it versus how the platforms expect people to use it. And that being said, marketers like me ruin it all the time. Remember Snapchat was like this thing that you only connected with your friends and now it's a business tool. And so I think marketers come in and they're like, oh, people are paying attention to this. Let's figure out how to like promote our stuff. And anytime there's a new app, Lemonade being one of the newest, people flock to it because they do want something a little bit differently. They do crave, you know, a feed that's a little less commercial until the marketers come in and ruin it. We'll just see that evolution time and time again. There'll be the next new app. We'll all flock to it because it feels less like produ produced maybe. Um, and then marketers will come in and ruin it and we'll be on to the next. That's interesting that you mentioned, you know, it, it becoming so commercial, a lot of these apps. Do you think that there will ever be a point or maybe we have somewhat already reached that point where, you know, Instagram is almost so saturated in terms of ads. And now if you want to, you know, have Meta verified, then 
you're essentially paying this boggles my mind you're essentially paying them to take your data and sell it so crazy and everything you're doing on your phone they're just taking and you're paying them do you think there will ever be a point where social media is really not the most effective tool to market your business but i don't know what that Mm. alternative would look like but where it almost becomes too saturated i don't know this it's an interesting thought It is an interesting thought. I don't think so. I think everything is going to become more integrated. So less ads and more UGC, basically, (laughs) because we want that. Like, think about so I like to think about this in terms of like reality TV, right? We all know that this is produced. And yet we like to suspend our disbelief and think these are just random people and these are random scenarios just happening because our brains like that. We don't want to think about it being scripted. In fact, we call it unscripted, even though in the back of our minds, we know that this is not real, right? I think that's where advertising will go. It's like, we don't want something that looks like a commercial. In fact, I can't wait to skip an ad on YouTube And now they're like forcing me to watch ads and it's irritating me. But if someone just had like product placement in a video, something about that, my brain is like, yeah, that's fine. So I think that that's the direction that social media will have to go. And if marketers and social media managers, like copywriters, advertisers, if we want to stay relevant, That's the nuance that we can bring to our clients is like, let's find something that's integrated into the feed, into our clients and customers' lives where they don't really feel like they're being marketed to. It's just part of the experience. If we can nail that down, I think that's helpful. And I think that's why TikTok's doing so well is the ads, so to speak, feel like content and we don't feel like we are being marketed to. We feel like we're just enjoying something. And I think that's really important. We've been hearing for probably the last few years, it's like people are just so tired of being sold to, especially when you go on social media. I feel like every post and every caption was just trying to sell you and buy this and do this. And you almost become desensitized in a way to it where you see it so often. I I just don't want to buy anything and I can do it on my own or whatever that solution looks like. So I think that's very insightful. Now, I would love to chat about UGC. Are you able to explain for anyone listening who doesn't know what is UGC? Why is it so important? UGC stands for user generated content. And it started off from a very genuine place where as social media marketers, we were taking our clients and customers experiences and just amplifying it on our page. So for example, if I bought some face cream, And I really liked it. I'm going to go to my Instagram just organically and say, I bought this face cream, y'all. It's great. It's amazing. So the face cream brand would then go, oh, this person likes our face cream. They tagged us. Let's post it on our page as well. That's UGC. It's not a new concept. If we look back in marketing, even early days, like 1920s marketing, printed you know, materials, they were taking TV stars or radio stars and putting their image, you know, in a printed newspaper, for instance, right? It's not necessarily a new concept. With social media today, here and now, brands will pay influencers from any size of influence, micro influencers, you know, less than 10,000 followers, all the way up to people who have millions and millions of followers. Brands will pay these influencers to create content on that influencer's page about their product. 
If you are a travel influencer, you know, a hotel can pay you to film your experience at the hotel. If you are a beauty influencer, brands will send you mascara and you will put it into your, you know, everyday face routine. If you sell apps, like let's say you sell, I don't know, ChatGPT. ChatGPT could go to a, you know, tech influencer and say, you know, do some tutorials along the lines of promoting this app. That's where UGC comes into play because it's not the brand saying, look how great and awesome we are. It's someone else saying, oh, look how awesome they are. And it's kind of the basics of word of mouth marketing. We want other people to recommend things to us as humans. We like that community feeling. That's the power of UGC. Mm-hmm. I think that's so interesting. And I love that you mentioned, you know, it goes back until the 1920s. I had no idea about that. But I do think it is something that has been around a lot longer than the conversation has been around. I feel like the conversation has really started is COVID. I think a lot of things started in the online space at that period of time, but it really has been around for so long. And it's so funny because I just scroll through my Instagram and I know that some of these ads, I am very international. So for some reason, I get a lot of like language apps like a Duolingo or a competitor. And I know that they are UGC ads of these women, you know, like trying to speak another language. And it's it's so obvious, but it doesn't look like an ad at the same time because you're right, because it's not the company saying, look how great we are and this is why you want us. It's somebody else doing and showcasing what the product or service or whatnot is. So almost like a more organic way. Maybe it's not very organic, but it looks like it. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like an ad. It feels like someone just woke up and was like, oh, I want to talk about my experience with Duolingo today, you know? There are so many faucets that we have not even gotten into when it comes to social media, digital marketing, you know, all of the apps. So what is one thing that you want to bring to light to share that you think is important to note that is not something that we have touched on here today? I especially think as creative types. And I'm imagining people listening to this are creators in some sense. Like we like creating content on social media and we in either looking to do this for clients or already doing this for clients. I do think boundaries are important because these apps are designed to be addictive. Like they're designed for us to scroll forever. And I'm not saying I'm above this. TikTok keeps giving me that little one that's like, you've been scrolling for too long. I'm like, I don't care. Keep scrolling. Right. I I know. I know I'm not a, a perfect human. We all have our flaws. However, I think boundaries are important because burnout is a real thing, especially like you said, since COVID, we've all consumed digital media far more than we ever have in our lives. Um, and so stepping outside, doing stuff that that's tactile away from our digital devices is important for us as humans, especially if we can do something in community. So for example, I used to run a book club that we'd like go out and have wine tasting and read a book and talk about the book. I think Doing things like that is super important away from our phones, real life situation, because it's so easy to get caught up in the wild, wild west of social media. So while I love it, I love it. That's an interesting point, because that kind of brings up 
it's like you said, so easy to scroll, but it's so easy to work when you are a social media manager. So how do you manage the burnout on that side of things when it is your business to be in other people's social media all day? It's really hard. I remember early on to so my first full year in business, I worked basically every day. Like I didn't take weekends off. I just got married, moved to a new country. So my thought was like, I didn't really know a lot of people anyways. My friends were really my husband's friends. But we went on our first vacation. And I remember like feeling so anxious that something was going to go wrong. I had planned everything out, pre-planned my content, had it all scheduled in Hootsuite, you know. But I was so convinced that something would go wrong that I couldn't enjoy my vacation. I kept checking in. Nothing went wrong, by the way. My clients were happy. They're like, yeah, go vacation. Take time off. You know, the first thing is being okay with ourselves and going, it's going to be fine. Thinking about a time when there's a huge social media emergency, almost never. Right. The second thing, though, that helped me is I did hire an assistant when I got back because I was like, okay. I need to relax. And for me to relax, I have someone else checking in, being that second pair of eyes. We sometimes think it's way more expensive than it has. It doesn't have to be super expensive. Hiring a virtual assistant to just be that second person for you can be so helpful. Someone who can post Instagram stories for you on a day where you're up, or we can schedule those now. So it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, things where like you can't schedule, you have to post in real time. Being okay with taking time off, hiring an assistant, and then over-communicating with your clients. So it's really important that they feel cared for. And sometimes we think clients have to, like we can't turn things off. That's how we care for clients. But really, as long as you communicate, they will also feel cared for. So for example, hey client, okay, actually I'll give a real example. Because I went on maternity leave, so we had a kid last year. She's one now. I went on maternity leave. I took off three months from running my business, which is the most time I've ever taken off. My clients were fine. They were actually happy for it because I spent the whole nine months before planning and preparing for those three months I took off. They just wanted to know that things were taken care of. So over communicating things. Here's the plan. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what you can expect. And here's a backup plan in case anything goes wrong. Those things are really important, especially when we live in a 24-hour business. Sometimes things do happen, like during the pandemic, Black Lives Matter happened. We can't just keep posting like every, not, like nothing's happening, right? So as long as clients know that you have a plan, they feel really comfortable with that. And usually that means like either tag teaming with a friend who's a freelancer as well, or getting hiring some additional support. We can think it's so expensive to hire a team member or they're not going to do it as well as I will. That was definitely something that I had. But it can be it can save so much of your headspace and really just make you feel if they know what you're doing, if you have the onboarding and the training and like they are very well versed in your business, it can be such a game changer. And, and the thing about freelancers too, like other contractors, they're running their business too, right? So there's like a mutual understanding. In recent history, I've actually hired employees. And I will tell y'all, it is so different. Like employee mindset, so different. People who've never owned a business before, there's an education that I have to go through with them. Whereas working with my contractors or my freelancers, it's like they get it. They've run their business usually for a little while too or a long while. And so when you say stuff like, 
you know, oh, I really, you know, I got to reach out to this client so that they feel really cared for. They understand that because they have clients too. So it can be, it can be helpful. Personally, I would not have this business today if I don't, didn't have a team because I can't do everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting that you mentioned about that, the mindset. And I've thought of that in terms of myself. I've always thought, not always, but it's funny in the last few months, I've really been thinking I could never go back to corporate after working my own business and doing it how I want it done and how I think, you know, is the most efficient and professional manner. I could never go back to working for somebody else saying that you see that differentiation of hiring an employee versus hiring a freelancer who, yes, maybe they do have other responsibilities as well because they are a freelancer. However, they understand this world and they understand what you're doing and your why behind it. Yeah. And I'm same with you. I could never go back. Honestly, to me, it's for the freedom. Like if someone told me that I had to sit at my desk from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., like I I just don't think I could do it. I need to like pop in, pop out, go here, go there. If I decide to work at 7 p.m., that's what I'm doing. Like I don't need someone to tell me when I'm working. I could I couldn't do it. I don't know why it was something that I've been thinking about lately, but I'm just like, I'm so much more efficient and just, just everything is better in my life, in my mental health and well-being. Like everything is so much better. Yes, we do travel all the time and we're in new different places all the time. So sometimes that can be a little bit overwhelming. In terms of the business, like I just I could never go back to working for somebody else and doing things somebody else's way. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm with <laughs> you on that I never thought one. that I would have this mindset shift until you're in it for a few years. Before we end off, is there anything else that you would like to mention? Just really top of mind right now is how quickly everything is changing. So there are certain strategies that I used to teach that I taught them that way for years. And now it's like a strategy that I taught last year has already changed. So I'm teaching something different this year. Things are going to keep progressing this quickly. And I think those of us who are excited about it and keep up with the changes will win. And those of us who are dragging our feet, are resentful for the changes, maybe look for something else because it, it's only going to get faster from here. You know, we mentioned things like new apps like Lemonade. We mentioned all of the changes with Instagram and TikTok. And I think that that's and even Apple, like releasing the new VR glasses. I think all of these digital changes are just going to keep progressing at a faster speed. So yes, take care of yourself. So that you can keep up with everything that's happening. Find a mentor, find a, a leader who can help guide you down this path. Maybe it's me, maybe it's someone else. But there's a lot of people out here who are also like committed to keeping up with some of these changes. So find those people that you respect and look up to and keep up with them. And then if it is me, I have tons of resources around this. My website's onlinedrea.com. You sign up for anything there, you're in my world. And I keep up with everything, but through the lens of brands and businesses. So I, I really do help um, either marketers or the brands themselves navigate through a lot of these changes. You've just listened to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. If anything from this episode resonated with you, I would appreciate if you share this podcast on your socials. And of course, be sure to tag me. And don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me on this global citizen journey, and I'll see you in the next episode.